we come before you our lord and king who is worthy to be exalted we come before our god who is great we come before a great high priest one who is making intercession for us even as we come to him today we come to you the king of kings the lord of lords my brother my sister wherever you are will you raise worship to the lord will you exalt the name of the lord this afternoon will you worship him for who he is we learned yesterday that this great high priest offered himself to both be priest for us but also be sacrificed what a privilege is it for us what an honor for us to have Jesus the great high priest as the priest but also the sacrifice one that gives himself for us one that gives his own self to rescue us friends will you go before this great high priest and love on him will you go before him and say thank you Jesus thank you Lord for Calvary thank you Lord for Jesus thank you for the gift of salvation thank you for this great high priest thank you for who he is thank you for what he has already accomplished for us thank you Abba Father for the time we have so far spent in your presence thank you from last Sunday till now Lord you have graciously spoken to us you have graciously brought people before us that have emptied of themselves of your word and Lord we ask that even as we sit at your feet this afternoon that all glory and honor and power and splendor and majesty all will come back to you because you deserve it you deserve it Lord you deserve to be exalted oh will you exalt the name of the Lord will you worship him will you worship the Lord our God he is the Alpha he is the Omega he is the beginning he is the end before anything was friends the Lord was it is the Lord we come to this afternoon he is mighty in power he is mighty in battle he is the Lord our helper he is our unshakable high priest he is our unshakable king he is our unshakable master and so we run to him we run to him so he will instill within us a faith that is unshakable in the midst of turmoil and suffering the Lord is with us friends our high great priest is with us he is unshakable and those of us that are part of his kingdom partake of that aspect of being unshakable and so Lord we empty ourselves before you this afternoon and we ask that everything we will think about everything we will put our minds to this afternoon will be that that brings glory and honor and power and splendor and majesty to you be exalted be glorified for thy is the kingdom the glory and power are yours not just now but forever and ever and ever and ever and we all say amen hallelujah hallelujah praise the lord I said praise the Lord please be seated you are very very welcome I do want to welcome us and I want to remind us that Alabaster is still here I expected us to scream and shout it is okay for us to shout in the presence of our father amen you are very welcome and this afternoon God is calling us to be alert. And so I want to draw our attention to our passage of concern this afternoon, which is 1 Peter chapter 5. We have verses 8 to 9, but I thought it is important for us to begin it from verse 1 so we properly understand why is it that Peter calls us to be alert? Where is he coming from? So please follow with me in your Bibles as I read from verse 1 to 9 of First Peter. And this is what it says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, 
not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares. And then we get to our passage. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a rolling lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Friends, this is the word of God. Now, Peter writes this beautiful letter for us. And as he begins to write it for us in chapter 1 of verse 1, he is writing it to believers that have been scattered all over those places. Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And why he writes is he wants them to understand this kind of kingdom that they have gotten themselves into. He wants them to understand key important aspects of what it means for you to live in the kingdom of God. This kingdom, by the way, which is unshakable, as our theme suggests for this year's conference. But as you engage with First Peter, you will discover that there is a dominant theme of living in light of heaven. Living our lives here in light of the life we are yet to experience with God. And so for Peter, as he writes, he wants them to understand, by the way, this is not just all there is. And my brother yesterday helped us understand that if you think what there is here is good, life is good, you have achieved it, he reminded us that that is just the beginning there is a life for us to live. And so that is dominant as Peter writes to them. So he goes a long way in his writing to equip the believers that are scattered in those places to tell them, you know what? In as much as we have a life here, there is a life ahead of us. But also because we've not yet gone there, the world we live in is fallen, and so as we live out our faith in light of heaven, there is likely suffering and pain that is going to come to us. And so as you engage, Peter will help you understand. But key to that, he wants them to understand the world they are in. He doesn't want them to be ignorant of the world they live in. He wants them to understand this world, but also grow their faith muscle to the extent that the world they live in will not influence their life as citizens of heaven. And so he wants them to learn to endure through this world, but importantly, he wants them to learn to be transformed while here into a life that will glorify Jesus. And so two key things in this book, before I go to my passage, there is a heavenly hope. Sisters, heaven is the goal. Eh? Hallelujah. There is that heavenly hope. But we are not yet there. And so because we are not yet there, we have to endure here and not lose our citizenship up in heaven. Now, as he begins chapter 5, fast forward, in your Bible, you will see the context as he starts is he is speaking to elders or leaders, especially of believers. 
He says to the leaders among you. He writes to these believers, but this particular chapter as it begins, he wants to focus on these leaders. And verse one, which is an introduction, he is telling them, you know what, I have the capacity to address you as leaders of believers because I think I do have the credentials. I am a fellow elder. I know the work that is before you as you pastor and flock the people of God. And so as an elder, he addresses them in that capacity. But also note that he recognizes their leadership roles. He calls them elders among believers. Now in the Jewish world, an elder was someone, leave alone our diluted well, well, I have said it already. <laughs> it has already come out. But what I want to say is, there is a deception at times for some of us to think which, that an elder has to be someone with, yes. But you see, for the Jews, for one to qualify as an elder to give counsel, they had to display two important things. Wisdom, especially with regard to the word of God, but also maturity in helping people around tap into what God is doing. And so it was not simply an issue of age. And so as he writes to them as elders, at the back of his mind, Peter is aware that these people have wisdom with regard to the things of God, but they're also mature with regard to living them out. He's not writing to people that have gray hair in the congregation. He is specifically starting with those that God has given wisdom but also maturity as far as his word is concerned. And so he says to them, I am a colleague. God has given us this work. But I want to remind you as he goes to verses 2 and 3, in these two verses, we find some of the most pointed instructions for leaders of God's people. And the first aspect is, he says to them, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. He tells them, you know what, colleagues, God has seen our gifting of wisdom and maturity. He has entrusted us with people to lead. Can we stop? and do just that. Now, it seems as if Peter remembered the time Jesus gave him the command. Remember when he tells him, do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. And at first it gets him annoyed. But I think here it has settled in very, very well. He wants them to feed the sheep under their care. Now, the major role of a shepherd is to feed, to lead, and to protect. Feed, not just with food that is unhealthy for the sheep. I am not talking about pizza, burgers, and those things. Hallelujah. Spiritual food that will cause us transition, like Paul says, from simply taking milk, we advance to being wind, and so we'll eat solid food. He wants us to know that we need to feed properly as believers. But you see, if as a shepherd, you are not yourself feeding, how then are you going to feed these people? But also if they are not fed, there are some people out there which he later on refers to as lions that are willing to give them something that looks like food. It will fill their stomachs and yet it is not good for their health. And so feed them the right food in terms of the Bible, the word of God, but also lead. When I had the opportunity to go to Israel, I discovered shepherds there actually lead from the front. It is only here where we get a stick and go from behind and start to beat. He says, lead. As you're calling my people to follow my word, are you leading so they can follow you? Are you protecting them? Because the lions, the devil is, 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 is looking out to devour them. 
take care of these sheep, feed them. But also quickly, fast forward, he says, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing. Remember, he's addressing leaders before he actually goes into all of us, the general happiness where he says all of you. And I'm coming to that. He says, what should be pushing you to serve elders among people of God is because God has called you and you're willing. It should not be forced on you. And you see many times, if it is forced, people will see it. Well, they have been raised to be good Anglicans that they will not tell it to us, but they see it. They will see it, and so he cautions. He says, you know what? Let it come from a willing heart. The sense is not as if you are being forced into this task that you hate, but it should be because you are serving God by serving his people. Friends, just like a faithful shepherd would love to feed sheep, that is the call of our leaders to want to serve. He goes into another tricky aspect. But before I get into that, F.B. Myers wrote and said, in light of this very verse, that none of God's soldiers are mercenaries, oppressed men. They are all volunteers in the workforce. We must have shepherds whose heart is a heart influenced by God himself. In other words, as we come, we are not hired men to come and do our work and get it done with. My dad has some little animals. But you see, the way he takes care of his animals is not the way someone would ask to take care of them will. Well, they are hired to do the work, they will clean and do that. But as the owner is in charge, you will see that extra care that they give. Now, the second aspect, as I plan to leave the leaders here, is the aspect of greed for money. Now, some versions say this honest gain. And friends, Peter is here saying, shepherds should be willing to serve apart from financial compensation. Now, I am not saying if it is there, it shouldn't be given, but that should not be the motivation that gets you out of bed on a daily basis. And so if the only reason that is driving you to serve God's people is because you're being paid for it, then you qualify to be that hired hand that Jesus talked about somewhere. You're in need for gain, not as one who wants to serve. And because you're in need for gain, you will take every opportunity to lord it over to those that you're called to serve. After all, you'll get your paycheck and go home. But Peter says, you know what, friends? Not loading it over to those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And we are guilty many times. We'll say, okay, 40 days of prayer and fasting, and we are busy feasting and enjoying as the congregation is doing otherwise. We are loading it over. We have not been examples in doing this. God have mercy on us. But then he says in verse 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, hallelujah, Pastor Chaza yesterday helped us understand this great high priest. Here he is referred to as the great shepherd. When he appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In other words, as you serve, whether the people appreciate it or not, do not be bothered. The reward that will never fade is up there. Because you see many times we are driven by this that we want to see. But this passage says, you know what, the brown envelope will phase away. But that reward will not phase away. And so may that be our motivation to receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Now he transitions to young men specifically. And I want to believe he's indirectly addressing us as young ladies. He says, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. Be submissive. And then all of us come in. 
all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. There is a kind of transition from leaders to young men and women, and now to all of us, whether young or old, be submissive to one another. He is going to put emphasis on the Christian life and how all of us ought to live it. And I say to myself, why does this start with this young group? And somehow the Spirit of God told me, you know what, at times, there are lots of hormones at work that probably push us into wanting to do certain things. At times, Bambit is not us. So there is a force pushing us too. And so he thinks it right to address us first as young people. And what comes out is the aspect of pride. You see, part of being young at times means having an inflated opinion about yourself. It is inflated, it is not really what it is, but you feel, you swell, you, you think you know it all, you think you understand everything, you think when someone gives opinion, I mean they are of venue, you, there is that inflation that comes to you which is disastrous. And so Peter says, please fight that. Fight that as a young person. Fight that as a young woman. And talking about ladies at times, you know, some of us usually use this in a way to say, even when we fail to deliver at the things we are asked to, we, we, we tend to want to go into that and say, ah, maybe they're treating me like this because I'm a woman. But you see, at times the truth is you are not doing what you should be doing. Hello? Say today I'm not putting on a collar, so I am not offending anyone. But pride an inflated opinion about yourself. And the reason Peter is giving this warning is very clear. Fight being proud because you know what? It is very simple. God resists the proud. He resists them. And Pastor Michael yesterday said, you know what? It is a terrible thing. The Bible also actually says it. To be in that place where God is resisting you. It is a terrible thing to find yourselves in the hands of the Lord and is resisting you. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to those that are humble. Now, this statement appears in the Bible three times. The first one is here in Peter. The second is in James 4, 6. And the last time this very statement is written is in Proverbs 3, 34. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, which side of the equation do you want to find yourself, friends? Is it the first part, pride, or is it the other part of humility? Now, pride demands that God blesses me and uses me because I think I am good and great. But humility on this other side of grace says, God, you know what? I am nothing, but I'm depending on you to use me if you will. We get the difference? But how many times have we come to him with the other aspect of God? You know what? I am here. Use me and use me and use me now. I mean, I cannot stand here. No soul comes to you, you know. Now, how do we show humility that Peter is asking us to? We show this willingness to perform the lowest and least of services for Jesus. Those that do not seem to demand recognition. And you see the challenge is many times we don't want those. We want to be here so that everyone's attention will be here. But those tasks that are behind, okay, wait on tables, register people, we do not seem to want to do those. The other way is we can try to be humble by having that conscience that I can do nothing apart from God. Developing that attitude of relying on Him. We can also develop humility when we get to that place of, you know what, it is okay for me to be ignored. Because you see many times, because we feel a sense of 
self-importance. We want to walk into a place and we are recognized. I am here, don't they see me? A lady from the unshakable kingdom is here, so everything else needs to pour. I am here. Are they not seeing me? Friends, when you get to that point of, you know what, I've been ignored, but it is okay, you, might, you are on your way to, to that place. True humility is self-forgetfulness and others-minded. It is shown in our ability to cast our cares on him. And that is how we transition into the aspect of being alert. Verse 7. Verse 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him. But before I get to this, there is also a reward for being humble. That a time will come towards the end of verse 6 and God himself will lift you up. Because you see, when the bishop lifts you up to this cathedral, another Joseph will come. Sorry, another Pharaoh. Who doesn't know the relationship between me and Joseph and will say, go. But if it is the Lord that has lifted you, that cannot be undone. Praise the Lord. I hope I make some little sense. In due time, he will lift you up. And that is when he calls us to cast our anxiety on him. Friends, when you learn to cast on God, on Jesus, you are actually acknowledging that I can do nothing without him. You are acknowledging your reliance or dependence on him. You are exercising humility. You know what, God, I cannot do this, and so I am sending it to you. I cannot manage, but you can. You see how that aspect of humility transitions into verse 7? It will take a humble soul to say, God, I am beaten hands up. I cannot, but you can. And so I give this to you because I know you are able to. So God in a way sees our humility by looking at our ability to cast cares on him. Are we able to depend on him? Are we humble enough to say, God, I depend on you? Because many times there is a temptation for us to demand that we bear our load, that we bear the burden ourselves and refuse to give it Riding in our own ability to take care of it, to sort things out. And that is evidence of pride, presumption in our lives. Thinking we can carry it, we have the muscle to do it. Now we can't do God's work when we are carrying our burdens, friends. And what came to mind here is if I invited someone to come and help me carry this thing, but at the back of their, or at their back there is a bag probably of a, of a big laptop, and they're trying to carry this thing. You see, it is lighter if they put the backpack down and then come and carry this. It will, it will even be quicker and faster. What cares do you have? What is it that you're anxious about? This season of alabaster and past it, or even before it, there could be those cares that we are anxious about and we are priding in our own ability to think we are in charge and we can. Maybe we think we have given them to God enough and he has not seemed to come through with a solution and so we think, you know what, God, I am here to help you out. Who should be helping the other? Friends, who should be helping the other? Now, the idea of casting it away is an idea of not gently bringing it and laying it down. I think this week we are coming to that point of radical, vigorous throwing. Eh? I am tired of this and so I am giving it to you. Not okay, it is here. Uh-uh. Casting it out. The idea of throwing away something, letting go. There are things, ladies, God is calling us to let go this afternoon. 
as an expression of our humility before him that we cannot take care of these things. Now, in light of the anxieties that he wants us to throw to God, he says, you know what, as you do this, there is a warning for you in verse 8 and 9. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a rolling lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. You know why? Because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Friends, Peter exalts us to remain clear-headed. He wants us to remain sober. Why? Because we have an enemy. Now, many of us simply live life and we, we think if, if everyone wishes us well. We are simply there thinking, okay, you get what I'm trying to say. He wants us to be clear-headed that we have an enemy. And by the way, as you rest, this enemy is not resting. You go to sleep. I have not read in a passage in scripture that actually says my enemy, the devil, also has night time where he switches off lights and he goes to sleep. He doesn't. He wants us to know we are fighting an enemy whose vocabulary is no ceasefire. He is not sleeping. He is moving up and about, and so that should help us know Takowa, he doesn't get tired. He is moving up and about. Now the beauty is as you read Revelation, we are told that a time will come where he will be bound and tied up in one place so he doesn't move up and about. But you see that time has not yet come. Between now and then, he's causing all the commotion and chaos he's able to. He isn't in that bottomless pit yet. And so we need to know he's fighting us and we should equally be clothed for battle. And you see, if the passage was saying he's moving up and about, looking for who to play about with, maybe, but friends, he's looking for people to devour. Now, devouring is not a good thing. It is not a party. When you watch Nat Geo World and you see a lion devouring prey, you will wake up. Friends, you will wake up. Now, sometimes as Christians, we are very silly. We are not sober. We, we, we think he is far from us. He's not here. Some of us think maybe, okay, Nigeria, the witchcraft and what. He's here, moving about. Some of us go about as if we have no enemy. The devil is not after us. But as I read, I discovered this word roar is very interesting. The writer was saying that many times these lions are looked at as mighty, but the days they also have terrible days. And so the only technique is to roar so that the prayer will be instilled with fear and they will think I am finished, the king of the jungle is here. But they also know today I don't have the muscle to fight this one. I will use my trick. And that is what the devil has done for most of us. A little rolling of the lion, I am finished. Now the purpose of a lion's roar, friends, is to instill fear and defeat in their prey. And that is basically what the devil wants. He wants to instill in us fear so that we will say we are finished and because of that confession, we will actually live like people that are finished. But you see 2 Timothy 1.7 says otherwise. God has not given us a spirit of fear. When you are gripped with fear, friends, you do not have the energy to fight at all because in your mind the battle is already lost. 
chew and it is finished. But you see, Satan may roar. But you see, at that cross, the great high priest defunged him. I don't know if these things are called teeth also for him or teeth or tooth, but that they cannot do anything. They are not poisonous at all because of what Jesus accomplished for us at the cross. When we understand that the purpose is to cause fear in us, we will then be alert. The moment we will come up with that, we will tap ourselves and say, remember the cross, you were defunged, you can do nothing. But also the Bible gives us about three ways that this enemy will come to us. Some of us might not know. In fact, that time some of us have welcomed him because in some passages we are told he masquerades as an angel of light. In Psalm, Psalm 91 verse 3, the Bible refers to this enemy of ours as a fowler. Now, a fowler is someone who is always quiet and secretive and they are always up to danger or trouble. Quiet, secretive. And at times, our enemy works like that, very secretively to get to us. Ways that are seemingly subtle, but is getting to us. In 2 Corinthians 11:14, he masquerades as an angel of light. In 1 Peter 5:8, here, we are told he is like a rolling lion. And so he says, because you cannot know what his mode of operation is constantly, just be alert. He might change form. Today he will come and roar. The other day he will come like an angel of light and yet is the same person. So be alert. Put on your discernment antennas. Look for network. Connect with the heavenlies so that you will know ah, this one is masquerading as light but it is pure darkness. Remember that time where Jesus said, you know what? These are wolves in sheep's clothing. Putting on sheep's clothing doesn't make you a sheep. You are a wolf. But you see, you need to be connected to the heavenlies for you to discern that. And so he says, be sober, friends. All of you be sober. Our enemy is at work. He isn't seeking to simply leak or play around us with us as his prey. He wants to devour us. And I thought to myself, in how many ways does he usually roar against us? He might roar in terms of uh, persecution. He might roar in terms of temptation, in terms of accusations. That storm that you are dealing with might be from him. What then should we do? He gives us the answer in verse 9. He says, be steadfast in your resistance. Now to resist in the original word has two words. And that is why you, English is usually lacking. It is not as rich as these languages because resist in the original has two words, stand and against. And these two go together. It means stand against the devil. But as you stand, the idea is not to simply put your body, I am here, I'm going to fight you. You're standing with faith. You're standing with something to fight with. Otherwise, if you simply put yourself, you, you'll become a goner. <laughs> you will be gone, goner. Yes, my people in the slum say goner. You're finished. You're gone. He says, stand firm. Stand firm in verse 9, in the faith. And so it means as we approach and fight our enemy, we need faith. And not in our own muscle to fight, but in God and in his word. Friends, it is this word that we use Part of being alert necessitates that we study this word and use it. Do you know there are promises for us here 
to speak into situations we have, but because we don't know these promises, we are crying. And so as you stand, faith, not in your connectedness, because I know there is a tendency in Uganda for some of us to say, I am going into this battle, so who is it? What rank? Uh-uh. Here. <laughs> your connection will not help you. It is your faith in the word of God. But also, the other encouragement is knowing that you are not alone. You know, many times we go through things and we think, ha, ah, has this ever happened to anyone? And because we have given up the habit of fellowshipping and coming together like this, many times as we go through situations, we don't have anyone to encourage us. And that is why I want to encourage us, friends, to belong to a Bible study group or cell or, or, or something of that sort. Because as you come and people say, by the way, I'm going through this, you are encouraged that other fellow believers are equally fighting. And eventually this battle will be won. He says, because you are not alone. Friends, encouragement that comes to me knowing I am not fighting alone is encouragement enough to help me go all the way to the end. Now, many times we think I'm not alone because our fellow sisters or ladies with whom we are together, that is true, but do you know God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is with me as I battle with my enemy. And so I'm never alone. And in addition to that, I have brethren that are going to come and uphold my hand. And so Peter says, you know what? Leaders have given you your portion. Young men have given you your portion and women. But all of us together, can we learn to humble ourselves before God? Acknowledge we cannot save ourselves. Give our anxieties to him. But as we do that, may we remember to be alert and self-controlled. Because part of these anxieties might be aligned by the devil to want to take us from this unshakable kingdom. But he says, you know what? Be alert. Be discernful. Know that your enemy is not resting. He is always up to causing trouble and damage. Now, many of us have such personalities at our workplaces, and we think, but that woman, it is not that woman. There is something operating in that woman. And so do not hate that woman Go to your knees and say, God, I have now come. Fight with knowledge and understanding. He will come today as a fowler. The next day, masquerade as an angel of light. The next day, he will come as a rolling lion. We never know what shape he will come in. And so that is why Peter says, all of you, be alert and sober-minded. Put on your spiritual antennas so that you will be able to discern, so that you will be equipped to fight properly, so that your place in this unshakable kingdom is secured. Hallelujah. I want to invite all of us to arise. And as we arise, I want to invite my sister Diana to lead us as the spirit will lead us. But what is it that you're battling with? What anxieties has the devil thrown to you? Part of humility necessitates that we give it to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know where you are, but that's such a word for us to be alert. To be alert and to be alert in this kingdom. I want you to just raise your voices and say, God, I'm here. There are things that have taken me away from you. There are things that have taken me away from you. Perhaps it was the cares of the world. I have been looking for money and I've found another way to get it. 
I found another way to get it that was not the way that you ordained. Lord, I'm here, but the truth is that part of me has just been being given to you. And the other part of me, I have allowed it to find ways. And the message comes clearly to us today to be alert. Oh, to cast our anxiety on the Lord. To be humble, to be humble. That if I am not humble, I don't recognize my need for help. How then do I cast my anxiety on the Lord? How then am Am I alert to the schemes of the enemy? How then do I know how to stand strong that I will not be shaken in this unshakable kingdom? I want us this afternoon just to reach out to God and say, Lord, they have pointed out areas in my life. They have pointed out areas in my life. The truth is I am not depending on you. The truth is, Lord, there are areas that have got me unaware. I have reached out to the world. There is a man that I have been depending on on. There is a man I look to when there are things that I need in my life. There are people that I look to. There are things my workmates do that even I have begun to do. This is the moment, Lord, that I cast it all unto you. I recognize what I have been depending on. Don't look at me. Don't stare at me. You came for Jesus. You came for Jesus. So allow yourself to connect with the King. This is the moment that you break down before the King and say, Lord, here I am, here I am. I cast it all unto you. Where I have held on to certain things that have, ga- that have given me stability. Tonight I cast it all unto you. I lay it all down before you. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for the areas that we have held on to. Maybe it is people. Maybe it's a job. And I've learned to do it the way the world does. Maybe, my God, there are things I've held on to. My wealth has given me security. My, the people that I know, the titles that I know, the people that I think open doors for me have given me security. Come on. This is the afternoon that you say, God, I lay it all down. I lay it all down. Lord, I cast it all to you. You are the one that I want to hold on to. You are the one that I want to lean on to. You are the one that I desire. Come on, somebody. Reach out to this God. Online or present, it is time you have taken it. The Lord has has unlocked things in your life. The Lord has unlocked things in your life and you are saying no more. No more to these things. I am not holding on to my status in life. I have sought after a status. I have sought after a status. But I'm saying no more. I am looking to this God to find my identity. I am looking to this God to find my place. I am looking to this God. Let God strip you of everything. I feel there is a stripping going on right now. There is a stripping of things. The Lord is stripping of things that you were holding on to, that you found security in. Allow the Lord to strip those things. Allow the Lord to shake it off because no more, no more. There are people who held on to people. This is the moment the Lord is saying, can you lean on me? Can you lean on me one more time? Can you trust me with your future? Can you trust me with your future? I want to do more in your life than you have ever, than anyone has ever done. I can take you farther than a human being can. I can take you farther than money can. I can take you farther than anything can. This is the moment the Lord is stripping us this afternoon. He's saying that there are things in our lives that we have been leaning on, but there is a stripping that is happening. Oh, allow the Spirit of God to strip you. Allow the Spirit of God to take off, to remove the things that you held on as a God and allow him to take center stage. Tell God, you are now my number one. You are now my number one. I don't have plan B, plan B, plan C. You are my only plan. I am holding on to you. My God, my God, increase discernment in my life. It is time for me to discern the things of the world. There are things that I thought were good, but in honesty, Lord, now I know that there was another motive behind them. Lord, increase my discernment this afternoon. Increase my discernment. Everyone that's especially a minister, I want you to 
pray that God will increase your discernment because many times as ministers we do what we want to do but there is something that God wants to do on the inside of us tell the Lord increase my discernment this day increase my discernment I want to distinguish between good and evil I want to know when something has taken me out of my place I want to know what spirit comes behind the things that come some people things come as opportunities but the truth is that God never ordained them this is the moment you are saying especially if you are a minister saying Lord increase my sensitivity to you increase my sensitivity to you increase my sensitivity to you I desire to be sensitive to the things of God I do not want to be caught off guard the enemy has caught me off guard he has presented things that seem good but honestly Lord the spirit behind it was wrong this is my moment of return this is my moment of return Lord we return Lord as ministers as elders as children as congregants in every form and in every fashion oh God where we have gotten it wrong we are sorry but Lord this afternoon increase our sensitivity increase our sensitivity the presence of God is here the presence of God is here to meet every need to answer every need the presence of God is here oh Jesus thank you Holy Spirit thank you for your servant thank you for the oil that pours on her head thank you for the instructed tongue thank you for the woman of God that you have given insight into your word Lord I pray that just as she has watered her too will be watered I pray that the increase of your grace will be upon her the increase of your anointing will be upon her the increase oh God that as she yields to you oh God take her into realms that she has not tapped into yet take her into realms that she has not walked into yet may her, may her days Lord be more glorious for she goes from glory to glory my Jesus increase upon her answer every need answer every need and then many are looking at her and saying Lord I want to minister I want to minister Lord I pray that you will make her a minister to many Lord increase her area of influence that as she ministers oh God many oh God will come to who you are thank you Jesus thank you Holy Spirit 